KXNO. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. Former Iowa State guard Matt Thomas has signed a three-year deal with the Toronto Raptors. Thomas averaged over 11 points per game this season for Valencia Basket in the Spanish Basketball League. The summer baseball season is over for Iowa baseball and basketball player Connor McCaffrey. McCaffrey was batting 170 for the Albany Dutchman. According to a report from Mark Singlis of the Albany Times Union, McCaffrey suffered a wrist injury that will keep him out two to three weeks. A light slate in Major League Baseball yesterday, but not a light night for Josh Bell of the Pirates over the Cubs. And there's a line drive deep to right field. Ring your bell, Mr. All-Star. One week from tonight, he'll be in the home run derby. Little preview for you. And a fly ball to right field. Ring your bell again. Josh Bell has homered twice. That's hammered to right center field. And it's gone. Three homers for the All-Star, Josh Bell. What a The call from AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh as the Pirates roll 18-5. Brewers with an 8-6 win in Cincinnati, and Christian Yelich goes deep for the 30th time this year. Deals at 0-2, Yelich down the left field line, deep, and it is going to be gone, a home run for Yelich. Tonight in MLB, the Cubs at the Pirates for Game 2 of that series. Kyle Hendricks off the IL will get the start for the Cubs. Game 2 for the Brewers in Cincinnati. The White Sox host the Tigers Royals at home for Cleveland. And late night, the Twins are in Oakland while the Cardinals are in Seattle with Jack Flaherty on the bump. Hear that game right here on 1460 KXNO. Stay up to date at KXNO.com and all day long on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460-0. Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio, this is 1460-KXNO. All right, welcome back. Hour number two, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460-KXNO. Zubin Mahente in about 15 minutes. Uh, Matt Postens, Heartland College Sports, back with us. And um, we got rid of Matt at the end of the hour. Not got rid of Matt. We ran out of <laughs> hour with Matt. And we never asked an Iowa State question. We had uh, phones lit up and very mm-hmm. disappointed that we didn't. I think it's fair criticism. Sure. Uh, I don't think that we overlook either of the two schools. We understand how much they move the needle. If you're new to the program, um, right down the middle on this program. There is no if ands, or buts about it, but it's fair criticism. And Matt Poston's good enough to jump back on with us, and we will right the wrong. Uh, Matt, uh, thanks for coming back on. Uh, just, you know, your thought, we talked about seemingly uh, maybe five, six, seven schools in the Big 12. We left out the needle mover in this part of the country. Uh, Iowa State picked near the top. What do you like about them? What do you... Not dislike about them, but what concerns you if you're what if you're Matt Campbell? What's Matt Campbell do you think concerned about? I, I think it's, there are probably two things he's most concerned about. I would think number one would be you know just the running back situation. You know, David Montgomery. You, you mentioned him earlier when we were talking about Justice Hill. You know, David was such a huge part of that offense for two three years, such a stable part of that offense too. He was durable. He never got hurt. He moved the needle as you just said. Uh, from a running game standpoint, you know, who's going to step in and be that guy? And it, and it may not be one particular guy. It could be a committee of, of two or three guys. But 
you know, when you've had a guy in your offense that has been that successful for that long, especially at the college level, you always get a little bit stressed about, um, you know, just exactly who's going to be that guy that's going to step in and how successful are they going to be. And then number two, I think from an expectation standpoint, you know, this is, this is a program that has really grown up under Campbell the last mm-hmm. few years, and he's done exactly what I think a lot of us thought he would go in and do when he came in from Toledo. He made the program better. Now you're at a point where I kind of feel like universally most people look at Iowa State as the third best team in the conference behind Oklahoma and Texas, and I'm not necessarily of the mind that they're that far behind either one of those teams. But with expectations come, you know, those come pressure, you know, so to speak. So how does this team handle the pressure of being not so much that that plucky team that is coming up the, the ladder as they have been the last couple of years, but now being a team that I think everyone agrees is a legit contender to be one of the two teams to get to the Big 12 championship game in December. That, I think that's going to be a real key to their season as well. Matt, thank you for doing this. Appreciate it, bud. Okay, no problem. Yep, thank you. Matt Poston's uh, Heartland College Sports. Uh, I hope... Um, well, we had a couple of calls, yes. but they both yep. stuck around and listened to that. But it's fair. It, absolutely fair. So, all right. Iowa State's the defense is legit. Yes. I think it's better than Texas defense. I think defense. it's the best defense. Now, depth-wise, that's a different conversation. But one through 11. What's, what's, what's your concern? The two corners? I guess, yeah. I mean, PV. Boy, he was PV, really good. Yeah, and he was hurt last year, too. The was. entire year. Nuts. Could have missed the entire year, but wanted to play. So, yeah. That, that would be mm-hmm. the spot that you point at. And with the scheme that they run and the change that they made a year ago, uh, what, halfway through that second season of Campbell and really just, I mean, it changed football. Mm-hmm. In the Big 12, the way defenses are played, the Patriots stole what they did. <laughs> the New England Patriots took what they did to combat the rise of spread offenses in the NFL. But yeah, cornerbacks are an important part of that. You have to have guys that can cover. You know what, where did uh, Phil Still rank Eisworth in his safeties? Is, is he a first-teamer? He had to be, right? I would think so. Uh... No. 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 Really? His first teamers are Lima, Bailey, and Spears. Yeah, three. Uh, eyes were second team. Second team. Second okay. team, all Big 12 for Phil Steele. Um, yeah, but three, three guys. Defense is as good as we've ever seen. And they've had some guys before, mm-hmm. as we know, but they haven't had them all together. And this year, that defensive line, Trent, my God. Can you win, though, the Big 12? Well, they got a quarterback. Defensive reliant, though. Can you win in a season where the offense is pretty good? Mm hmm. And he can win a shootout if necessary. But you're they winning. put historic, up historic Big Twelve defensive numbers last year. They did can he win a bunch of 2017 games? Not one or two, but four or five. Hmm. 21, 16, 27, 21. Those type How of refreshing games. is that for Big Twelve games with that score? Right. I love right. it personally. Love it. But can you win a title playing? I don't know that that tempo, that speed, that style. I don't know. Something to ponder here mm-hmm. this summer. Uh, what kind of step forward is Mike Rose going to take? Boy, he teased the crap out of you last year, didn't yes, he? he did. Oh, do they have something here? I remember, nobody heard us. Um, we weren't here. The UNI-Iowa State game that lasted two series. I remember one of my takeaways. South Dakota State. Yeah, right, 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 right. Bigger part, yes. Um, one of my takeaways was, well, I don't know much about the offense. This kid, Eisworth, on defense mm-hmm. jumped off the computer because we're watching on our <laughs> laptop. But, uh, boy, he's good. He's good. The defense is solid. I think it's this year. It's the time to get the linebackers and uh, the linebackers, the tight ends involved. We'd love to see that. 
Deshante Jones, has he got a uh, a senior season to remember? Quarterback wise, they're in good shape. Couple of young freshman running backs that look to make a mark as well. I like Brees Hall, who, in some circles, at least recruiting wise, probably wasn't as highly regarded as what you see out of Jarrell Brock. But both those guys have a chance to be really good. You know, Nwangu now another year removed from that Achilles injury. And we talked Achilles so much here and heard it so much talked about now the last month after the injury to Kevin Durant. What's everybody saying? Achilles injury takes a long time mm-hmm. to come back for. This yeah. is more significant than an ACL tear. Now think about Nwangu and what he was, and especially as a kick returner that freshman year before the injury. Fastest guy on the team. Now that speed close to back, you know, 95 98%, whatever it may be, Really got something there. I mean, you you got a lot of directions you go. I like Sheldon Crony's minutes yeah, last year, yeah, not minutes, yeah. his carries yep, last yep. year. I thought he. And if the offensive line is finally taken, who knows? I, I I'm with Matt. I don't think it is as big of a gap between the two heavy heads at the top of the conference mm-hmm. to that next level where Iowa State at this point clearly resides. Um, just got we we both just got this uh, tweet. I'm I, I'm not a podcast guy, but I guess Scott Docker and Mark Morehouse strongly suggest that Isaiah Moss left Iowa because of Connor McCaffrey got the clutch minutes. Did you listen to the most recent podcast? I haven't. No. Well, I mean, we, we've speculated about the same thing that late in games it was McCaffrey that was in there, and it worked out well for the most part. I mean, you you go back in some of those games, especially early in the season, because it was two guys that could handle the ball with what McCaffrey. was Moss's best game? Was it Penn State? Is that the one that he went off this year? I think it was. I'm, I'm, I could be mistaken. Yeah. Of course, he had the Minnesota game two years ago mm-hmm. where he scored 21 points in three minutes or whatever it was. But that's the way they played. He had two ball handlers out there and two good free throw shooters. But Moss is a good shooter himself. Can he afford to put another small guy out there working against pressure? It makes sense, though. And, and if if I was a guy like Isaiah Moss, the year previous, his minutes were jerked around. He was a starter. And there were games we'd come back in the next day and he'd play five minutes. He'd start the yes, second half for a minute and he'd be pulled and he wouldn't see action right. the whole second half. Now, that evened out a little bit more, but late in the games, exact same thing. Wouldn't be out there. I can understand it. You want to be in there. Everybody we talk about, you want to be the starter. And hear your name called coming out for the starting lineup, but just want to be in there late. What impact will he have on Kansas? He'll average seven a game. He'll have a 28-point performance at some point. They'll go off and hit six threes and go nuts. And uh-huh. They think they're getting an elite shooter, are they? Yes. That's about it, though. Mm-hmm. He's an elite shooter, and that's about it. He is it's like Kent McCausland. Kent McCausland wasn't going to do a whole lot else right. for you outside of that. That's what he is. He's a shooter. Uh, Zuba Mahant. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, price line. They will join us next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO. 24-hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hackfest coming up. July the 19th, KXNO.com for more details. You won't have much more fun on a golf course than you will at Hackfest. Hackfest coming up, uh, limited spots, limited availabilities remaining. It's a Friday. Make it a long weekend. Start your weekend at Hackfest Copper Creek in uh, Pleasant Hill. Zubin Mahente, ESPN. He joins us as we go around the world of sports with Zubin. Zubin, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. Zubin, how are you? Doing great. How you guys doing? Doing well. Lots of NBA to get to. We'll do a lot of things, but I want to start at ESPN and uh, the retirement of a giant uh, at, at ESPN, and that's Bob Lee. Boy, oh boy, uh, between you know Tom Meese and uh, who lost tragically lost his life as he drowned in a swimming pool, Chris Berman, who is uh, his workload is uh, not what it certainly once was. But Bob Lee, who was boys, it's hard to find somebody that didn't appreciate what Bob Lee did, uh, and for how long he did it for. Uh, I'm sure you crossed paths with him many times. Share a couple of Bob Lee stories with us, Zubin. I'll give you a couple really good ones. The thing that I appreciate the most is, and you guys know, I mean, you have to evolve your radio show every day, and I have to evolve in terms of what our audience wants. And he was just a guy that, just on the surface, um, and this is not a lot of people in the business, um, not really swayed by social media, right? Doesn't really matter what's here, what's there. They had a show. Uh, they knew what they wanted to do with the show at Outside the Line. And it was really a force within the company. And a couple things, you know, with the the sort of scaling back of investigative journalism at a lot of places, uh, many places were dogged on the Michigan State scandal with Dr. Nasser. But ESPN, especially Bob Lee and Outside the Line, really uh, put their feet to the fire in terms of what was going on there. And a lot of other uh, news organizations, just because of the amount of money it takes to fund a fully vested news investigative department, just weren't willing to do it at the level uh, that ESPN did. And Bob was at the forefront of that. Obviously, it was a hugely important story. You saw all of the survivors show up on the stage at the ESPYs last summer. It was a truly amazing sort of revelation. And you saw it covered. And some of the tangential aspects were Tom Izzo, you know, having some uncomfortable press conferences as it kind of spread throughout the Michigan State University Athletic Department, not saying one had anything to do with the other. But you just saw the dogged determination of when they thought that needed to be covered and other people weren't covering it, they did. And it actually culminated with Bob when he won the uh, Best Sports Emmy for Studio Anchor, which had basically been won by Bob Costas every single year, almost since its inception. (laughs) And Bob ended up winning it in 2018. And so I thought it was just a fitting, fitting end to his career. Now, he obviously lasted another full year after he won that 2018 Emmy for Best Studio Anchor. But that Michigan State story, a story a lot of people didn't want to touch for a variety of reasons, was the story that they jumped in with both feet and said, something is going on here, we've got to do it. That's not me patting ESC on the back because I work here. That's just me patting Bob Lee on the back to say, this is important. It doesn't matter if it's not getting chatter in a lot of other venues. 
in the sports media world. They were certainly getting a lot of news media ventures. Um, but he went for it, and he was, uh, you know, uh, got a lot of credit for it, and I'm glad he got that sports Emmy. One thing I would tell you, there's always a sign on his door. Uh, he has a big office. I just have a cubicle because I'm just a regular <laughs> guy. But he had an office door, and there was I, I wish I could give you the exact phrase, but there was a couple of sayings on the door, and one was, and one always made me chuckle when I walked past it. It said, make sure freedom of speech lives. It's easier to spot the idiots. <laughs> I thought that was one of those great lines where it's just like, all right, let everybody talk so we can know who the morons are. We can kind of move them off to the side. So that was just one of those things where when I saw that, that was the typical Bob Lee sort of thing. Let everybody have their say, and then we can determine whose say is valid. So he's definitely going to be missed. And, you know, it's just something that not a lot of people are investing in every day and anymore. And he was a giant. He became the face of our soccer coverage, you know. Mm -hmm. That's something that really only came to shape. I mean, ABC and ESPN had the World Cup in 1994. But, you know, I mean, it really wasn't something that big in 1994, even though we hosted it. But as it started to get much bigger and going to other countries, and we started to embrace it a little bit more, you know, he would tell me and other people that, you know, he was watching soccer back in the 70s. And here he is now at the forefront of it when he finally makes the move. So a long way of just saying he was a great guy, easy to work with. He joined the company, I believe, on his third day of existence in 1979. Mm. And he has, you know, celebrated his 40th anniversary. There's a big celebration planned uh, next, uh, I believe it's in August of uh, this year. It'll be 40. And so there'll be a lot of plans for that. And the idea that Bob Lee was basically here for 99.98% of it is pretty remarkable. Zubin, we've seen Jeremy Schaap kind of take that role, and, and he's been another one of the news gatherers. Is that something that ever interests you, kind of going into that realm away from the sports center side of it and going into the, the hard-hitting journalistic side of sports media? Well, what's interesting about OCL is that if it wants to, it can devote its time to one subject, and that's something that really on sports center or a lot of other programs that just call for pace. You really can't, right? We got to get to this. We got to get to this. We got to get the NBA free agency. Oh wait, NHL free agency. That's actually a thing. That was that actually started. You know, okay, we got to do that. Got to get to the baseball. Got to get to the All Star Reserve. Got to get to Wimbledon. Got to get to NFL training camps in a month. Got to get to all these stories that we have um, throughout. You know, the Yankees and Red Sox in London. Those are all things that we have to get to within one hour. And the great part of OTL is they can just spend a half hour on one thing. And so I think for a lot of people like myself, if there's a subject you're particularly interested in, you know, the college basketball coaching scandal, because it ended up being a lot less than what was advertised. I remember when they stood up there and said, you know, we've got your playbook. You thought all these guys were going to jail. And still to this day, Patino's the only guy that's really paid the price with his job in the head coaching role. Unfortunately, that would be a 20-second reader on camera. Here's what happened in court today in the Southern District of New York. But on outside the lines, if you wanted to bring on Rick Pitino from Greece, if you wanted to get a legal perspective on why isn't this such a big deal, it's just not something we can dig into on SportsCenter. But there are a ton of fans who are wondering why did they promise this and only deliver that. And on outside the lines, you can get into that. And I actually think that Jeremy is the perfect guy for this because that's sort of a worldly sort of show. And Jeremy's seen a lot, done a lot, whether it's with boxing, whether it's with soccer, We've had a lot of different discussions just about how many different things he's covered over the years. And so I like to see the show fall into the hands of somebody like that. He's always been a part of the Outside the Lines crew with Bob being the face. But I always enjoyed the fact that, you know, Jeremy could sit there and talk to you about Muhammad Ali's greatest fight in one breath 
and then turn around and talk to you about um, Iceland in the World Cup in another. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty worldly show, and you need somebody that can really reach a lot of tenants. For, for SportsCenter and a lot of other gigs, if you know the NFL, the NBA, MLB, and your college sports, you're good to go. And that's pretty much the way it is on Sports Talk Radio, too, if you've got those down. But Outside the Lines is such a show that stretches the boundaries to a point where you really need somebody that's pretty worldly and has seen a lot, done a lot, and so I'm glad Jeremy will be taking over, uh, along with Ryan Smith, just because that guy has seen a lot uh, and done a lot in his career. Is he going to be Bob Lee? You know, I don't think there's going to be another Bob Lee because I don't think media is the same as it was. We're not all going to the same voices to get the same news at the same time. It's a pretty fractured environment. So I don't think there's going to be another Bob Lee just because of circumstance. But I really like the fact that Jeremy's done a lot, seen a lot, not just domestically but internationally, and it's probably going to behoove the show in the long term. Hmm. I'm glad you reminded me about Bob Lee and the fact that he was the face of uh, soccer at ESPN because he clearly was. And I always found it uh, not odd, but... <clears throat> You know, here soccer, kind of a fringe sport, um, you know, in this country anyways. And, and there's Bob Lee uh, anchoring the coverage, one of ESPN's uh, go-to guys, and he's over there. So along those lines, Zubin, we talk, uh, like, I'm into this World Cup. I am, and I'll be into the next one. I will be. But then it never seems to grab that foothold, if you will. You know, everybody t- keeps uh, believing that one of these years soccer is going to really catch on in this country. We've been saying that for a long time, Zubin, haven't we? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, you know, I referenced the 1994 World Cup, and it was here in the United States. And what was interesting about that particular World Cup was they had put forth a program in the United States, and it just goes to show you, to your point, Ken, the way that it's been. In 1994, a, a guy named Alan Rothenberg was running U.S. soccer, and he's uh, long since sort of left the main stage. It's been obviously almost you know 20-plus years, 25-plus years since it was in this country. But his plan was, in 1994, to create a program called World Cup 2010. And the idea was, in 2010, 16 years from our first World Cup on home soil, four different World Cup cycles, we should be in position to win it. And that was the plan. By 2010, we should be in position to win it. Now, obviously, uh, we finished in the quarterfinals. We've also finished 32nd out of 32 teams, right? I mean, in that time, we finished dead last, and we've been to the quarterfinals. Uh, We obviously have not been close to winning it. But I think maybe the next great opportunity, especially with some of the young guys we have now, like Christian Pulisic, who some people say is the best young American soccer player we'll probably ever have in terms of a native son. He plays in the Bundesliga, which is Germany's top league. We have a young kid named Weston McKinney who scored the only goal in their win the other night over Curacao in the Gold Cup. And these two guys can come together, and there can be a swelling of the audience. I don't need to remind you that the 2026 World Cup is actually being shared between the United States, Canada, and Mexico. And maybe that will be the opportunity to get it done. Rothenberg was hoping for 2010. Uh, Maybe he was just a little bit off. Maybe it'll be 2026. And it'll be on our home soil again when Canada, Mexico, and the United States have a tri-bid to host. So we seem like we're moving in the right direction there. But you're right, Ken. We've been talking about it forever, and it hasn't really come to fruition. Now, on the other side, I would tell you that there have been seven Women's World Cup played. The United States has won three of them. The rest of the world has won four of them. And if you see the Vegas odds, there'll be eight World Cups played after July 7th in Lyon. And the United States will likely have won four of them, and the rest of the world will have won 
four of them. So the women are certainly doing their part, but maybe the men are circling 2026 in home soil and waiting for some of our young guys to really get into their prime. Well, no waiting for NBA free agency wow. it is here, Zubin. And watching Sunday night, Rachel Nichols, and it looked like the Last Supper. I think she had her 12 disciples up there all talking with her about everything going on. She did a great job. She really yeah. did. I mean, just the, the hour after hour of coverage, the, the changing demographic. Let's start, though, with the national team right now. That's Golden State. Kevin Durant now plays for Brooklyn. The Brooklyn. The Brooklyn Nets. Never would have imagined that. Clay Thompson. Maybe back after the All-Star break. Iguodala, he's in Memphis. The changing of a dynasty. Your thoughts on this Golden State team and what they are now going forward? Yeah, it's fascinating. Just from the standpoint of right before, very under the radar, right before free agency started on Sunday, a few days prior, the Warriors actually extended the, the contract of their general manager, Bob Myers. And I don't think that's a small thing. That really wasn't reported because there was so much hysteria over Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard, and there continues to be over Leonard. But when you extend Bob Myers' contract, he's 44 years old. I mean, think about this. They've gone through their five-year run, and he's just now 44. Um, They obviously have a ton of confidence in him to say, look, even if we don't retain the services of Kevin Durant, which they obviously didn't, you are the guy that's going to move this organization forward. We believe in you. There are plenty of people that said, hey, look, he didn't draft Steph Curry. He, inher- he inherited Steph Curry. Um, they, the move to get Kevin Durant was such that Durant wanted to play for a winner, and he happened to be the general manager of the best winning organization in the NBA at the time. Now, I think there's way more that goes into it than he has been given credit for, but the general assumption by many casual observers is that right place, right time. You know, he inherited Curry, he got Durant, and Steve Kerr made it all work. And he is just basically in the right place at the right time. I don't think that's the case. But by extending him, they're basically saying, look, go after D'Angelo Russell, see what happens. But we believe in you moving forward. Um, I think the Brooklyn Nets, you know, having grown up in New Jersey, you know, the, the biggest thing for the Nets is it's just about being relevant. I think people talk about how they want it and they're going to take New York from the Knicks and nobody had a better Sunday than the Nets. I think for the longest time, the Nets are just asking themselves, what can we do to be relevant? You've got to remember, the Nets haven't won 50 games since the 2002 season. The Nets had the lowest attendance in the NBA last year. The Nets and the Clippers have the two lowest TV ratings in the NBA <laughs> last year. They are dying for some measure of relevance. When I was growing up in New Jersey, and they made the finals on multiple occasions. They were having trouble selling out the building for the NBA finals when Jason Kidd was their point guard. So in terms of relevance, this is just gigantic to them. And more macro for the league, if the whole argument was, why are we playing the finals? We know the Warriors are going to win. At this particular point, guys, the NBA is more wide open than it's ever been. There are a ton of people out there. That's great. The Utah Jazz have positioned themselves about as well as anyone in the West. The Blazers have fortified themselves. The Rockets may not have to do anything because the one team that they couldn't topple disintegrated from within. And obviously you mentioned Iguodala. He might get bought out by the Grizzlies and end up with the Lakers. And obviously if the Lakers end up with Kawhi, you see their three-headed monster there. If the Clippers end up with Kawhi, they're legitimate. If the Raptors get him, they're legitimate. Boston, Philadelphia, Miami, and and, uh, Indiana even made tons of fortifications. So I look at it and say, for all the people that say, just get me to June and the Warriors will steamroll whomever, 
No more of that. I think you can legitimately say there's a handful of teams in both conferences that feel if things break right for us, we can win the NBA Finals. And for a league that's been dying for parity, they might have it. One thing I told Fred off the air, the 2020 free agent class is so weak and so bad. Is it really? This was a great moment. Oh, yeah. The NBA. It's a really, really poor free agent class. I mean, Ken, if you're looking for, like, unrestricted free agents, now there's some restricted guys. You're talking unrestricted. Maybe Draymond Green. And then you're looking at a guy like uh, Mm. Kyle Lowry. Mm. These aren't exactly, you know, Montrez Harrell. Fred Van Vliet, Paul Millsap, Serge Ibaka, Jay Crowder. You know, this just doesn't get your blood flowing the way that some of these other guys did on Sunday. So I'm only 41. There's a ton of people that have been watching the NBA a lot longer than me that said this was one of the most transformational days in the history of the league, which is quite amazing because there wasn't even a game played on Sunday. No, there wasn't yet, too. But I watched over three hours of Rachel Nichols' coverage on the jump. I, I couldn't get enough of it. It was absolutely fascinating. So handicap this for us. And you mentioned Kawhi Leonard a couple of times. And it's down to three teams by, by all accounts. It's the Clippers, it's the Lakers, and it's the Raptors. I think he's going to break the heart of an entire country. Uh, and he's going to sign with LeBron James. Does that seem like it's inevitable at this point? Uh, Where is he going to end up? Man, it's so hard because if we were to talk a week ago, we would have talked about the Lakers not even being in the picture, you know? And here we are one week later and they appear to be in the driver's seat. You know, I, I said this on Sports Center last week and I, I think it's an obvious point, but it bears worth saying. Um, anybody that thinks they know what Kawhi is thinking is crazy. <laughs> Unless you hear it from Kawhi himself, even from the most, you know, even from the most trusted insider. I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy it unless it comes from Kawhi himself. To me, the real loser in this, what's interesting is that the Raptors, the Lakers, and the Clippers, the Clippers made a couple of minor moves because they were involved in the Jimmy Butler trade. But those three organizations have basically stood pat. They have not, in all the flurry of activity you were watching there on Sunday, Ken, every team virtually felt like it did something. And the Lakers, Except the, the Clippers, and the Raptors. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, the T-Wolves, did you say? Yeah, I don't think they did anything, did they? They signed, uh, no, you're right, you're right. Maybe <laughs> the T-Wolves is a good example as well. Um, but for the most part, for those types of teams, I look at those three and I say to myself, you know, um, they haven't done anything for one reason and they're waiting for Kawhi. One thing about Kawhi that's interesting is, <laughs> I don't know if you guys find this ironic, but for a guy that just, you know, I'm Mr. No Drama, I just want to go out there, I want to play. I don't want to deal with anything else. Um, <laughs> he's dragging this thing out longer than anybody. You know, um, he wants to have meetings with the Lakers and have Magic involved. And his uncle Dennis, Dennis Robertson, is like a confidant and advisor. So it is kind of funny on the surface to see, you know, board man gets paid. I just want to play. Don't bother me. I don't want to talk. Nobody knows what I'm thinking. I'm all about playing. And then it's sort of in the free agency aspect of polar opposite where he's kind of keeping everyone's feet to the fire. He's kind of dragging this entire thing out. He wants to meet with different teams on different days. And so for a guy that was sort of a minimalist (laughs) during the season, he's definitely uh, had a little bit of uh, showboating here to the max. But obviously when you did what he was able to do, uh, you can take your sweet time, do whatever you want. But it does seem to beguile his reputation to a degree. Zubin, to baseball, you mentioned it just in passing what we saw over the weekend with the Yankees and the Red Sox playing in London. It was a soccer stadium, not built for baseball, 
as we saw, saw balls flying out of the park with 375 to center field. It, it was a band box, no doubt, but the globalization of baseball. We've seen the NFL work to do this. Of course, basketball and soccer have done it uh, to a different degree, but is this something that could work? Could baseball, not a team in Europe, but a series or two every year? Well, Cubs cards are next year. Did you see that? Yeah. Is, is this something that has staying power and something that can build, much like we've seen with the NFL? Oh, I definitely think so. And I think it's a huge priority for baseball because, I mean, yeah. I mean, look, they've had regular season games in Puerto Rico. They've had regular – the regular season this year opened in Japan, right? You've got these games in London. Omaha, that's kind of another country, Nebraska. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Omaha. Uh, it's one of those things where I think what they've really discovered – I think Stan Kasten, who's the president of the Dodgers, but for a long time was involved with the Braves and a bunch of other teams, said something the other day was really interesting – which is, you know, they don't really need to play those games in Asia because the fervor for baseball is so high. Now it was just a perfect marriage with Ichiro and Ichiro's last games and going to Japan that just made that a memorable moment for the A's and the Mariners. But the one thing I would say is Kasten said what they're trying to do is they're trying to create a foothold in other countries where, what now this is interesting, where there is absolutely no appetite or history or tradition baseball. If you go over there, um, we did a story on ESPN over the weekend on the best baseball team in England. We actually found a bunch of guys that play regularly and have a field and do drills. And Chris Connolly did the story for us. And he asked the manager, um, you know, how good do you think you'd be if you played in America? And he said, we'd probably be able to hang with a good Division three team. That was his answer. We, our best team in the country could probably hang with a good D3 team in the United States. So the idea that they're trying to make inroads in a country where there's no tradition is noteworthy. Now, you've got guys like D.D. Gregorius, who was born in Amsterdam and raised in Curacao. You want to try to take advantage of that if you can send a player over on one of those teams where that is the case. But Kasten said, sure, no real infrastructure in London, but the fan base is there. Now, some people say Major League Baseball plays too many games. Kasten actually said having more products can help us because when you're talking to a group of fans that really don't know anything about the game and need to be aware of the rules of the game, more product is better. Whereas in our country, we think 162 is too much. I mean, they're talking about cutting the NBA from 82 games to 58 and holding a tournament at the All-Star break because people think 82 games is too much. So certainly people think 162 is too much. But Kasten said the 162 could actually play to our advantage because if we go over there, we want to inundate the fans. We want to deluge the fans with baseball to make sure they know what they're missing out on. And when we have this much inventory, it can help. They want to make major inroads into China, the world's most populous country, and they want to make inroads into India, which is the second most populous country on earth. England, India, China, no baseball tradition whatsoever. Fascinating to think that those are the three countries they're targeting. They must have some research that says they need some new fans and we might be capped out in the United States. But I would always kind of go for a fan base that at least is somewhat familiar with the sport instead of diving into a country that has no tradition with the sport. It's an interesting move, but probably a move to make sure baseball becomes not just our national pastime, but a global endeavor. Hmm. Uh, last thing for you, Zubin. I apologize in advance for asking, but Trent and I are coming up with our Claxons giveaway. We're doing it tomorrow because we're off on Friday. 
And we're trying to set the number of uh, Joey Chestnut hot dogs that he'll <laughs> consume, the over-under. Trent wants to go 71. He's put a lot of thought into yep, it. Yep. Last three years, Chestnut's averaged 70, 72, or he's, he's eaten, rather, 70, 72, and 74. This is research we've done here on this, Zubin. 71, does that seem like the right number to you? I just think whatever the number is, you have to take the over because <laughs> I think he's proven. You know, when you put that mustard yellow belt around your waist, you can't be taken too lightly. So I think you're in a situation where whatever the number is, this man is an American hero, a true hero, <laughs> deserves the respect of the over. I mean, taking the under with this guy on July 4th, I mean, I should strip your citizenship. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of the things. Well, Ken, you may not even be a citizen, I am not, but yeah, Trent, Trent <laughs> is. Right, right, right. I, Trent, I know you were born in Iowa, so I can't really take it away because you were born in this country, but I think it's one of those things where you have got to go over on chestnut, uh, just because what more does this guy need to prove that he deserves the better? He is the greatest of all time, no doubt. Zubin, we are out of time. Look forward to next week. Thank you, pal. Appreciate it. And, uh, are you working over the 4th? Uh, yes, we'll be working over the 4th and all the way through next week. So uh, we'll see you on ESPN uh, late night throughout the rest of the week. Good stuff. Thank you, Zubin. You got it, guys. Take care. Good to catch up with Zubin Mahente from ESPN. 30 for 30 tonight. No, there isn't. Is there really? It's the Joey Chestnut 30 for 30. Hard pass. That you thought was a joke. I did when I first saw it come out. You know what 30 for 30 I watched this past, uh, over the weekend at some point? I don't know. I guess I must have them all taped. Mm-hmm. The Orlando Magic story. Oh, the I ping love that pong. one. That, you forget so much, mm-hmm. don't you? Yes. What could have been? What could have been? How about Shaq, Weber and little Shaq penny? playing together, though? If they would have went that direction instead of trading Excellent the pick? Excellent point, yeah. I mean, at that time... Mm-hmm. Weber would have had to be obviously a different kind of yeah, player. I don't know if it would have worked. He he developed into a good shooter. He always had good touch, and he could step out even as a college player and hit the you know nineteen foot three. But you forget what I forgot how damn good Penny Hardaway oh, was. Yes, early in his career, that My knee God. injury devastated. Absolutely did. What could have been with those two? That's a that was a really good watch. Yeah, really good watch. We'll take a time out. Come back. Finish it up. It's Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. That voice, John Sterling. 30-plus uh, years broadcasting the Yankees. Going to miss his first game in over 30 years. He's that failing health, incredible. apparently. Uh, mm. Turning 81 years old. Um, like, like him or not, he is the voice of the New York Yankees. And mm-hmm. that the Yankees win is as famous a, a call at the end of a game as anybody's got. So anyways, we move on. And hopefully he gets back and gets back in the booth. Full slate of baseball tonight. There is. And I'm hoping that the Cubs lose. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> oh, look at because that. Because we get David Kaplan tomorrow. And you want a fired up Cappy. Cappy is. Look, the Cubs are on the precipice of losing David Kaplan. And that's tough to do. Yes, it is. Cappy is, I don't think he's scraped his knees jumping off the bandwagon yet, but he's right on that, he's on that ledge. Hendricks tonight, mm-hmm. opposite Joe Musgrove. Yeah, I don't know much about him. Yeah. What else? 
You're not doing the thirty for thirty. You already said no. You're I'm, out. Not, I'm out of that. Uh, your twins are in Seattle, so they're late. late. They're late. Loving that. Uh huh. No, it's, it's all about the Cubs. All, all about, about the Cubs, Cubs and, and oh, the Brewers. The Brewers. I'll watch a little bit of Brewers Cincinnati because mm-hmm. uh, Brian Anderson is really good. That home run fooled him yesterday. It did, by the yes. way, Yelich is, and he doesn't get fooled very easily. Uh, but uh, if, look, we'll, we'll we'll get Cappy tomorrow. This team needs a jolt. We talked about it to begin the show. Something needs to be done. It's you can't give up garbage to get something back. You can't take three guys that stink and think that you're going to get a guy that's going to come in and make a difference. You know what you're going to get? You're going to get some other team's garbage. Mm. You have to give up something to get something. Are they willing to do so? And if what to what extent is Chris Bryant really um, a guy that they would entertain offers on? They should be. He's going to break the bank. Scott Boris is not going to let him give the hometown discount that some fans believe that there is such a thing. Doesn't happen with a Boris client. No, no. Not at all. So baseball, free agency continues. You're excited? Your Winnipeg Jets finally got somebody. <laughs> Except it's <laughs> Jets just signed a player. Six guys have left, by the way. It's just six, six guys. Yeah, six guys. Look, nobody wants to live there in the winter. I get it. They just signed a player, and, and I watch as much hockey, I'm guessing, as anybody in the market. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of this guy. And he not played in the strong, Central Division. Not the strongest endorsement I've ever right. heard for a free agent. I watched Colorado get one guy after another. I watched the Blackhawks retool. The Stanley Cup champions reside in the Central. Dallas is getting a couple of veterans that should help their hockey club. The Jets just signed a guy that I've never heard of. Uh, anyways. Your offseason yeah, is a bad year. It's the only time that it's really difficult to be uh, a, a Jets fan. World Cup this afternoon. Oh, can't wait, Trent. Can't wait. Hope they advance. Of course, the final would be Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. They are yes. the favorites of the four remaining teams. No one has lower odds than the U.S. women to win it all. Took a little taste at it. Did you? On the overall or on today's game? To win it all. The U.S. just minus 180. No, it's soccer. Mm-hmm. No, this will be a tough one and Championship would be the same, but still, minus 180 for the just historic run that they have been on, like a pretty good price. I think so, too. Thought it was worth the taste. Yep. My, my soccer betting has not been my strongest suit here as of late, though. This has not been a profitable World Cup. couple, not the past World Cup, but the one previous on the men's side, ah, every day, winner after winner. Did you really? Yeah, I just, whatever reason, it was all clicking that year. <laughs> Not You'll the case in 2019. Anything, no, well, <laughs> really will. Uh, if you missed it yesterday, yes, you do. Uh, if you missed it yesterday, we had uh, a Brian Arilco from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission. It looks as though the date to watch is August the 12th. That's when Brian believes uh, that everything is going to be good. All the commission meetings will have come and gone. The public comment periods will have gone. He believes. Uh, that August the 12th is when the curtain will go up. It's a Monday on sports wagering. So what does that mean? Well, sure, there'll be baseball games you can bet that night, uh, but you'll be able to go out and you'll be able to bet your over-under Iowa, Iowa State win totals. You'll be able to bet uh, an NFL win totals, those type of things. August 12th looks like the date. Sports wagering becomes official in Iowa. Murph and Andy are next locally at 2, then the Fanatics at 4. Wednesday, we'll start a whole new day of local programming uh, with the Morning Rush. Miller and Conan tomorrow with 10. Thanks for being here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.